I wouldn't say my swing was great. I wouldn't say, you know, my mental approach was great, um, but we just worked. That's really what I recall from like middle school is like, we were probably at the cages five days a week, just hitting. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive. And I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like. And you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here. So whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. Man, you Midwest and Cold States listeners, especially if you live close to me in Indiana, are going to love this interview today. Many of you have been dying to hear and learn from Midwest athletes making it to the big stage. And today I have for you an Indiana girl who is currently an infielder from the University of Kentucky. Already, she's an All-American, a two-time All-SEC standout, and is gearing up for her junior season at Kentucky. Some of you already know her. Her name is Erin Koffel. We've had so many interviews with Olympians and All-Americans in the past, being from warmer states like California, Texas, Florida. But I'm so dang excited to share with you an inspiring interview from one of my friends about how it doesn't matter where you live, where you're from, what the weather is like. Aaron is a prime example of how you make time for the things that you want most and don't let where you live dictate how great you can be. I'm excited for you to get to know in this episode, Aaron's recruiting process and how she ended up at Kentucky, her great but not always perfect relationship with her dad, who was her hitting coach just about her whole career, what she and her dad worked on most in the cage together while she was growing up, her signature hitting drills to this day, and a bit of an inside scoop of what her everyday cage work is like. I mean, who doesn't want to learn drills from UK's leading hitter in the SEC? How she wasn't always good at handling her emotions on the field, but how she's been able to overcome it, especially in pressure situations. Why she believes playing for a local elite travel team was a huge reason why she was able to play at Kentucky. What her dream job is after college what she wishes she could go back and tell her younger self, and so much more. Let's welcome SEC standout and my great friend, Aaron Koffel, to the show. Aaron, I am so excited to have you on this podcast. I told you before we started recording, I've been dying to get a Midwest kid on, and here you are. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to talk about some softball. So, Me too. Me too. And I think one of my favorite memories with you, and probably one of the few of all of them, is simply meeting you at this clinic we did around South Bend. We were in South Bend, right? This yeah, past South summer. Bend. Yeah. And it was right off of a season where just you absolutely crushed it at Kentucky. Um, and I was just like, you are just so raw and wholesome. And I met your dad and you guys are just like the coolest. And I honestly looked at you guys. And I'm like, you remind me of like my family, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like yeah. your dad's influence on you and everything. And we'll get to all of that. But I have to ask, like, first and foremost, we're really close to season recording this. How are you feeling? This is your junior year. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This Even like think about it. That's my junior year. It's crazy. Uh, I've just been kind of reminiscing like by myself the past couple of weeks. I don't like bring it up with other people because it'll make me really sad then. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But I just I mean, it's crazy that I've already played two years of college softball and I have basically a year and a half left because um, it's been the best experience of my whole entire life. But uh yeah, junior year, you know, coming off of the season that I had, uh, obviously I feel some pressure, but when doesn't anyone feel pressure, honestly? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just 
part of being a softball player. So I'm pumped. Um, I've worked really hard. I think our team has a really good shot. Uh, kind of created a new identity for ourselves this year. So I'm really excited to show everyone what we're about because I feel like often like Kentucky's kind of underrated in the SEC and, you know, with all the big names like Florida and Alabama and all them, but yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah. You know, honestly, growing up, I didn't even realize Kentucky was in the SEC until I got older and then I started playing. <laughs> yeah, you know? correct. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't ever really hear about them. Yeah. But like, you literally played against my sister last year and I'm like, this mm-hmm. team can hit. Like, y'all yeah. can rake. <laughs> it was uh-huh. so fun to watch you guys ball out. But yeah, you guys are so dang good. And do you feel like being in the SEC... It like it can only help your team get better because like your your conference season it's like mm-hmm. there's no breaks it's all oh, gas absolutely not absolutely not like going into like postseason that last year we all like obviously we we're going to Virginia Tech but like we played in the SEC like it's literally the hardest schedule that anyone could have like every single weekend is a grind um, but yeah I just feel like playing playing here is just different you know mm-hmm. you don't really get that anywhere else so. Yeah. And I will say the environment that you guys have, like, um, mm-hmm. you have so many fans that come out. It was literally yes. freezing last year yeah. when I came oh and watched. Gosh. I remember that. Oh, it was so cold, but you still had yeah. tons of fans there and it didn't seem like it affected your bats at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think that was um, our home opener. So yeah, yeah, it was cold. Vivian usually shows out. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. but it was a fun series. I will say, mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. cause I get to watch you and my sister compete against each other. Yeah. Your um, sister was a baller last year. I mean, she she, so she ended on a good note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having her on the podcast, I'm just like, who know you were so like, what's the word? Like, obviously well spoken, but like, I was so proud of her coming on, and she was just like sharing uh-huh. her story and being all real and stuff. And I'm just like, I've never seen this version of you, and I love it so <laughs> yeah. much. So yeah. she's so she's been on twice. So who knows? Uh-huh. Maybe you'll come back on too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But so we're super excited for season. I think one thing that you said was that you're kind of nervous. Like, mm-hmm. but like, I just want people to know that's like super normal. <laughs> oh yes. I was. I was actually thinking about this. Like, I am someone who gets nervous. Like before one every single game. Obviously, it doesn't matter who it is. SEC or a team in the preseason. Um, our preseason's pretty tough this year. So, mm-hmm. but anyway. <laughs> I like before every single bat, even in practice, like when we're doing live ABs, I feel a little bit of like butterflies in my stomach. I don't know. It's just different. And I don't know if a lot of other softball players get that. Uh, I remember talking to some of my former teammates and they didn't ever really get that. Like, but I get nervous. Like, I I think it's a good nervous. I think that's what makes me me. Um, But yeah, I'm a little nervous, but I think the nervousness is like happiness and and to be excited to play softball again. So I felt those same nerves. I felt yeah. the same exact nerves. And I like that you said it's it's like it's who you are. So mm-hmm. I think one one way that I like to work with my athletes, and maybe you can mm-hmm. share a little light on this, is being able to shift those nerves, meaning that you care, by the way. If you're nervous, mm-hmm. that means Correct. you really care oh, about yes. what's about to happen. Yeah. yeah. But shifting those nerves into like that game day type of energy. So mm-hmm. I felt like if I wasn't nervous, I didn't show up as good. Yes. <laughs> like, oh no, correct. You know? Yeah. So like yeah. how do you how are you able to maybe shift that in your mind or maybe it's a routine that you do before games, maybe you listen to music. Mm-hmm. Like how mm-hmm. do you shift that nervousness into being able to just ball out in that game? Yeah, I think it all starts like before you even come to the field. Um I've noticed that for me, like my pregame routine, like before I step foot into John Crop Stadium is you know, making sure I'm getting a good breakfast, um, not being overworked and like anxious, just being really calm. And um, every night I try to visualize. Um, it doesn't necessarily even have to be like me hitting or me playing defense. It's me like actually being calm and like ready to go and being confident. So I think that's actually really helped me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it all comes from kind of just having just subtle confidence. I'm not a very swaggy, confident, like cocky player. Um, but I think just having a slight confidence and, you know, inner being confidence in yourself that, you know, I can do anything. Um, I think that helps me a lot. Um, but yeah, it's definitely tough. Uh, it's something that I learned before even coming to college. I didn't really know how to channel that. I didn't really know how to channel my emotions very well, but that's something that I've definitely learned is mm-hmm. key to, you know, having consistent good games. So yeah, who taught yeah. you that? How did you learn that? Um, I kind of started in high school with my dad, um, cause he could kind of, he, he, I mean, he could just tell who, like, 
how I was going to play in a game before it even happened, you know, mm-hmm. off my, off my energy I was uh, giving out, but he was really, really big on the whole visualizing piece. And I think that's really what transformed my, my mental game. Uh, Cause I didn't really have an, any idea on my mental game. Um, I just went out there and played, you know? Uh, so I think every night before I went to bed, I had this little breathing thing. I forget what it's called. Uh, but it's like actually like where you're working on your breathing and controlling your breathing. Um, it's an app, but I think that helped me a lot in high school. Yeah. So I'm going to have to text you after this and get that breathing app because, um, I, I was given one by a sports psychologist, like when I was playing pro and it Uh was him talking like, (laughs) so, but it was (laughs) like, he was, he was telling you how to breathe and how many Mm -hmm. seconds to inhale and exhale. Is it kind of like that? Like it was like making you aware of your body and what it's doing. Yes. Yeah. Kind of it like, kind of like, is like fluctuating like inwards and outwards, like with your inhale and exhale a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I need to start using that again. But I, I have kind of gotten away from that. Um, but now it's just more like me, like visualizing and breathing on my own at night. So, but yeah, I think that was the first thing that really like took me to the next level. That's so good. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we dive so much into your play and how just how you get ready for games and stuff. Yeah. I would like you to kind of share, because like I said, you, you're one of the few Midwesterners who are like mm-hmm. all Americans around here. So mm-hmm. I think it would be kind of cool for you to share um, from what you can remember of like your childhood experience playing softball and like oh, yeah. your journey to get to mm-hmm. where you are now as mm-hmm. one of the elite players in the SEC. So if you just tell me what you remember from it, maybe from travel yeah. ball, middle school, like what was life like for you growing up? Yeah. So, I mean, I started when I was about five or so playing you know the traditional t-ball and um, transition league with the pitching machine and that was more baseball um and i wouldn't say then like i don't have like a specific memory of me like loving it um i just think because my brothers and my dad played it that i was playing it um and then i went into like the actual rec league when i was about i would say third grade maybe second grade third grade and that's when i really started to notice you know not bad like I, I could do something with myself here but I think I want to be honest I think it started me and my brothers used to play wiffle ball all the time in our backyard mm-hmm. like all the time we'd have mm-hmm. tournaments with the neighborhood kids and um, I think that's where I started to like really get my competitiveness and like just my love kind of for like hitting honestly and playing defense um, so I think that's kind of where it started and then obviously playing rec ball with my friends um noticing that i was you know i was actually not bad um and then we noticed like in sixth grade when i had like an edge on everyone because i was still playing with the younger girls and a lot of the girls were in the older ages and we were trying to get myself to like play in the upper with the upper league but they wouldn't let it let it happen because i was too young pretty much um so that's when i went to indiana thunder um Mm. i think i was in, in like 10 or something like that. It was in 2011. Um, so that's when I went to Indiana Thunder and that was like the beginning of it all for me. Uh, I kind of stepped away from playing softball with my friends. Um, obviously it got a little bit more serious and that's when my love for the game like skyrocketed. Um, we were still playing pretty locally. I don't know if you know the Indiana Thunder used to know them, but yeah, they were, yeah. they were competitors of my first travel team, the fire for a while. Yes. Yes. So that's where my love for the game kind of skyrocketed with, um, Kevin Sandor, that coach. I loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, we were pretty good. So that's, that's when that, all that happened. And I was like, okay, like we need to continue this path. I kind of looked up to, um, Aaron Rethlake. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, heck uh, yeah, pretty, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah <laughs> love yeah. Aaron. <laughs> yeah. 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 So she, she obviously played at UK. So, and she started with the thunder and then went to the magic and then went to UK. So like whenever I went to camps down there, like I just wanted to be her, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when I went to magic, uh, when I was in seventh grade and that's when it all started like for real, for real. Um, and I was still loving the game, you know, hitting with my dad all the time. Um, all of that. And then, Freshman year, well, eighth grade year, that's when colleges started to look at me. And you know how that is. That's a whole different type of experience. Um, Very overwhelming, I think, for me. I was someone then who didn't know how to control my emotions after getting out, not slamming my helmet into the ground, but getting super upset with myself. So, yeah, that that experience was different. We can kind of dive into that later. But, yeah, um, and then my freshman year, 
Kentucky was actually the first school to ever look at me. Wow. So yeah, they were the first one to ever offer me any of that. <laughs> Funny story, actually. So it was my first official visit, not official visit, unofficial visit um, and camp. So I went to UK, went to a football game, you know, did all the usual stuff and they ended up offering me like when I came home and I, and I had a visit to Michigan the next weekend and I was like I don't want to go like I love UK and I love and I love the coaches I love the atmosphere obviously being an eighth grade I have no idea and my parents were like Aaron like you're going to Michigan who are you like coach Hutch <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously I went ended up going to Michigan I loved it there um saw the university but yeah so and then college I mean high school ball um started and I was still playing with um Indiana Magic we had a pretty good team we went it to uh, pgf nationals we placed third twice over there to do that as a mm -hmm. midwest team was actually insane mm -hmm. and um our coach coach rudd you know him awesome guy he 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 did something for me that no other coach has ever done for me and it wasn't necessarily something softball like it was you know mentally like he just had this super belief in us that we were amazing and he wasn't necessarily a negative coach but he did something for us girls and I don't think a single girl on that team like had any dislike towards him at all I mean mm -hmm. he was he was a different coach he was a different human being and uh, I'm forever grateful for him um but yeah and we're here today in college <laughs> so crazy I mean I was waiting four years for that and it was my freshman year came it was crazy but yeah that is insane. Okay, so why Kentucky over Michigan then? Because Michigan's a lot closer. Yes. So what happened was I didn't really perform very well when Michigan came to watch me. Um, they were looking at me, obviously, but uh, they ended up saying, you know, we're not really interested anymore. So my that went away, and then it was between Northwestern and Kentucky. And to be honest with you, I'm going to be honest, like, Northwestern like, gave me a really good offer and everything. Love the coaches, love the atmosphere. You know, Jordan Rudd was there. Um, she was going to be there. But <laughs> it was the schooling aspect for me. I've, I've been a big schoolgirl, like straight A's in high school, all of that jazz. But I don't know. It was just not very appealing to me. Um, mm -hmm. But because Kentucky still had this great, I think Kentucky like gives off the persona that, you know, school, you know, all of that because of the basketball team and the football team. But the the academics here are insane so i mean i'm getting i feel like i'm getting just as good as an education here um as i would anywhere else yeah yeah so. it just felt more right for you correct yes the coaches you know everything yeah and if you would have just gone with your gut you didn't have to go to michigan you have to check out any other school correct Tell but my i do that. agree like being in eighth grade you're probably yeah. glad that you saw other schools too oh a hundred percent because it just yeah, solidified that would have been an it, awful yeah 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 Amazing, amazing. Because, uh, uh -huh. like, I didn't really even know what – I hadn't even had my permit yet. You know what I'm saying? I know everyone yeah. says that, but, like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so Yeah. Um. So I didn't know this, that Aaron was such a big influence on you. So oh, back yes. when I started doing camps, like, four years ago, Aaron was uh -huh. still, like – she just left Kentucky, mm -hmm. was, like, looking for things to do, and I live – right by her so I was just like Aaron and she played with my sister either that or they were close and playing together for the magic yeah. I was just like Aaron come work this camp for me mm -hmm. and like people left that camp and they're like oh my gosh we love Aaron like <laughs> I feel like her coaching in college now is just like she's at Huntington University yes I think yeah. that is the the epitome of like Aaron is meant to be a coach like oh 100 percent yes the way yes. she carries herself like I have no I'm not surprised at all that she was someone that you look looked up to. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, so I had a similar experience. I had someone, actually, she was my age. So Aaron's a little older than you, but yeah. um, I had someone my age that was going off to play in college, and that's what's mm -hmm. what inspired me to like go after this and see what I could do with it. But you had Aaron to kind of look up to, and you guys played for similar organizations, like. Did you and your family spend a lot of time learning their story and or her story and how she was able to play at Kentucky? Did you ask them questions a lot? Like, how did that yeah. relationship work? Or was it just like a, I want to be like her type of thing? Yeah, I would say it was more like, I kind of want to be like her. I don't think I ever really got the chance to be like personal with her and her family. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as I got older um, and I started going to UK camps and all of that, I think it got a little bit more personal, but it was more of just, I want to be like her. Like, she was 
you know, she's from Indiana. She played for the Indiana Thunder, like Indiana Magic, and now she's at UK. I think I feel like that's where it really started. Like, Aaron, you can like actually do this. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's what the thought was in my head. Like, it's not impossible. You don't have to be from California or the East Coast or whatnot. Um, so I think that's really what started it for me all and really gave me the confidence that it's possible. So, yeah, if you can see it, you can be it. That's totally a thing. It's totally a thing. Shout out to Erin. I love that (laughs) so much. I'm going to share this with her after this. Uh Um, But so that's where I know your dad was a huge influence on you. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about him. But before we do that, I want to hear what was your training like? Like, obviously, you don't get looks at the eighth grade unless you're really Uh good. So like, Uh what did your training look like? Especially because these Midwest people or even just people that live in cold states, correct? I think they need to know like, where were you practicing? How were you practicing? Mm -hmm. Like, because we can't just go to a field outside. (laughs) So correct. That's so true. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so my dad was my hitting coach my whole life. Um, he, played he was a really good high school baseball player he went to college at st joe um was really good there and got drafted so he knew what he was talking about but uh he kind of just took me under his wing and we just went for it um we never went really evan sharply i don't know if you know who that is Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i hit with him a little bit in high school but what really started it for me was i think we just we had our own cage um Mm. and I wouldn't say my swing was great. I wouldn't say, you know, my mental approach was great, um, but we just worked. That's really yeah. what I recall from like middle school is like, we were probably at the cages five days a week, just hitting, you know, I don't think, you know, he knows a lot more now than he knew back then because of social media and, you know, learning from people like Evan, but we just, he uses knowledge and his skill. And we, we had our rough moments. I wouldn't say that. I think every father-daughter relationship who <laughs> is playing the game of softball has those moments. But it's going I, right. Correct. That's yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but we just, I mean, we were just cage addicts. Like, we were there all the time. Um, he was always helping me. But he was very, very hard on me. Um, I think that's truly why I am who I am today. He got on me all the time. If I wasn't holding my end of the stick, he was going to let me know. Um, if I was hanging out with friends a little bit too much, he was going to let me know. Obviously, I had a good balance in my personal and social life. A lot different from others who don't, who didn't, you know, follow my path. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't say uh, until I got to high school, that's when I really started to work defensively on my game, um, which I kind of regret in a way because I never really went to the field that much to like take ground balls. But in high school, when it all changed for me, um, that's when it kind of started to catch up to me, like in magic and everything like that. I was like, I need to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My defensive side of the game wasn't really picking up its slack. Uh, and I don't know, like when I, when I'm, I'm someone, when I make a mistake, like I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So I think that's when it all started for me was taking ground balls and doing stuff like that all the time and just reps after reps after reps. And I think that was just honestly the name of the story, um, hitting offensively and defensively is, me and my dad may have not had like the best cages or the best facilities or anything like that, but we found a way to get work in. Um, and we found a way to just get reps. It was, it was all about reps and learning after each, each one. Um, me and my dad kind of created this relationship, like hitting wise is we were, uh, I would say like beginning of high school, we were just taking way too many reps and it was like my downfall, honestly. Mm. Um, Because, you know, after you take so many reps, like, you're no good after, you know, 300 or so. And I think that's where we started to finally realize it was quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big thing for me and him, and it still is when we hit together. So I think that's when another, you know, I took the next step in maturing and realizing that it doesn't have to be 400 swings every day. You know, if you get 200 good swings in, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. That's what I would say. That's what my training regimen kind of looked like. Um, I was weightlifting a lot in high school. That's when it really started for me. And then I also played basketball. So that kind of where the conditioning piece kind of took in. So, yeah, I love that. And I love how you were just open about like, we had to learn that, you know, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't 
stay at this mm-hmm. level during a hitting session for yes. 400 reps. Dad and I were the same way. It was like, we, mm-hmm. we literally, we thought we knew what we were doing and we were doing that well. And then we quickly yeah. learned like, okay, we can definitely make adjustments here. Yes. But like, yeah. that's the thing is like, people think that, you know, from you getting to where you were in South Bend to Kentucky, it's like, oh, it's this cookie cutter road. Like everything must mm-hmm. have gone well. No, it's like trial no. and error. It's yeah. making adjustments with how we're, how we're training. But mm-hmm. overall, I think, you know, nobody's emphasized reps as much as you just did on this yeah. podcast. But like, yeah, in regards to it, you know yourself better the more you take swings. So, Correct. you know, in, like you said, you didn't even have like the prettiest swing, but like you probably got the job done. Because yeah, you knew yeah. what type of a swing you needed to uh-huh. hit that right center gap to score a runner, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Like, yes, exactly. Um, and so when it comes to like your dad and how he influenced you here, you know, you were getting in the reps, but like, did you start off the tee? Then did you do front toss? Mm-hmm. Like, what did those reps kind of look like when you yeah. break it down? Yeah. So I've always been a huge tea person and so is my dad. So he's kind of started that with me. So we would probably take half of my reps off the tee. Mm-hmm. Um, we would do different drills, you know, working. I, he's never been a big, put the tee in the middle of the play and hit it. Um, I, it's always, it's always outside or inside. It's never down the middle. And sometimes when I even do drills that the tee would be better off down the middle, I always scoot it a little bit more to the outside part of the plate. Um, <laughs> I love it. To make, yeah. To make sure that I'm, I'm working all four zones, but yeah, he's always, we've always done the tee, um, outside, inside, high, low, you know, we, we got a low T when I was like a freshman in high school. So that was another big step for me. Um, but yeah, and we do a bunch of drills, you know, drills he'd find off the internet that he thinks are good for me. Um, it was kind of just learn as we went. He, he obviously, again, he had a lot of knowledge on what he was doing, but he learned a lot along the way. Um, and then we would usually go into front toss. Um, and I think that's the thing the that Midwest girls kind of, fall behind in the piece of like live hitting you know we only really saw live hitting in the summer and then mm-hmm. the fall when we were playing um and the rest of the time i literally just was hitting off front toss so i didn't really have a machine to work off of but again we would just do reps after reps after reps and we would just learn my swing so i mean yeah that's pretty much what it all entailed kind of still is like that today uh when I go to the field, I usually take half my swings off the tee, you know, work in my routine and all my drill sequences that I have. Um, Cause I just think the tee is like, so I don't know. It's kind of like my friend in a way, like, yeah, we've created such a good relationship with each other. Like it, it doesn't really make me mad anymore. Like I usually have pretty good swings off of there and I like to work different barrel angles off of there and different postures off of there. Cause it's yeah. But so I would say my tea, my whole hitting routine was kind of like, so. Yes. I love the tea too. You're speaking my love mm-hmm. language. Yes. Um, you know, my, my signature drills that I did in college off the tee, like when no one, no one was around, I just need to work yeah. on myself. Yeah. was like extension. I felt like that from a connection standpoint really helped me a ton. Like I love that mm-hmm. drill. Sometimes I would incorporate like a jump back or some sort of like enhanced leg engagement type of thing. Um, yeah. And like you, I would move all around the zones because my hitting mm-hmm. coach um, growing up, we literally took 45 swings off the tee at the beginning yeah. of every lesson. It would take 15 minutes, like every time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we would do, so we would break it not into four quadrants, but nine. So getting mm-hmm. like this, the high in the high middle, high out. So we would work yep. a little more middle, um, yeah. but we would just get in all of those reps. And I feel like that's the reason why I was able to, you know, understand what it feels like to get to a high and outside pitch and like what swing is going to get me a base hit there versus I'm just going to see what happens if I go for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's that, it's that drills are great, but like also like what's great about the T is being able to, you know, make your own adjustments off the T and, mm-hmm. you know, know what approach works best for you on certain pitches. So did you have certain, do you have certain right now, like mm-hmm. drills that are your signatures? Like no yeah, matter what yeah. Aaron's doing these before games or practices. Uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely do. A couple that I, I always do, um, like stop at contacts. I do. I always do that stuff. Um, yeah. Have you heard of like Happy Gilmore, stuff like that? Happy oh yeah. Gilmore. Do you do those yeah. fast or kind of like slow? 
slow. I always, yeah. I always try to do things pretty slow and controlled. Um, when I start to get fast um, through my swing, it usually doesn't end well for me. And I usually mm-hmm. create some bad habits that I don't like. But yeah, I always do stop at contacts. I'm a big one, one, uh, one bat, one, ant, one arm bat person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still to this I day love, as in college. Yes. 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 Love doing that stuff. Um, I feel like it really isolates your body and what you feel. Um, but I'm a big one arm girl. Um, I love doing like open stance things. Mm-hmm. So just really working on um, barrel whip and getting my barrel into the zone. But yeah, I, I do lo- a lot of low T stuff. I do heavy bat stuff, especially in the off season. I'm a big mm-hmm. heavy bat person developing bat speed. I think that's really been like, I feel like I've had that, like, that's something in my swing that I've always been, like, a little bit, like, on top of, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? In high school, like, I really had good bat speed, and I think that's what helped me a lot, um, even when I didn't have the best mechanics. So, we were constantly working heavy bat stuff, especially in high school with my dad. You know, going from, like, a 32-ounce bat to a 30-ounce bat to a 28 and then to my bat. So, we did a lot of that when I was growing up. Um, we also did a lot of, this wasn't off the tee, but we did a lot of heavy ball stuff, um, mm-hmm. as well, just in the cages. We obviously did that. That's a, like what a lot of travel ball teams do to warm up. So yep. I feel like it was, it was a simple thing, but I feel like it helped me a lot. Um, be solid through contact, but yeah, I would say those are my key things right now. Um, in high in college, I mean, something I've kind of coach Hines is a big, yeah, she always tells me this is her thing less body, more barrel. So, mm. um, I do a lot of drills where I'm like, I'm, I isolated the lower half or I'm isolating the upper half. My lower half is not moving at all. So my feet are in the ground. Hips are not moving and all I'm working on is my barrel path and my barrel whip to the ball. So that's something else I do a lot off the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny when I emphasize that in a lesson, like, Hey, let's just focus on hands and your barrel. Yeah. Correct. And they're like, well, how do I do that without my legs? I'm like, yeah. Well, the thing is, when you hit, and I learned this from a uh-huh. friend of mine, Chris Vasami, um, he's just like, well, I'm pretty sure you can get a hit with just your hands, but you can't do get a can. hit with just your legs. So, yes, that's, that's fair. And, Never but, did that, but I like you know, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm even a coach where like I used to only emphasize legs. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't have the right path to the ball, which is why I loved you talking about one arms, mm-hmm. we're not going to get there. So d- yes. when you do just hands, your core is involved like so 100%. much more. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. that's something that coach Himes has really brought to my attention is I never really thought about my core at mm-hmm. all. Like mm-hmm. when I was younger and in high school, but now that is one of the key things that I think about. Cause it's just like core is in the middle of your body. Like that's what stabilizes you. You know, if you don't have a core by like you're swinging, I don't know, like you could still get the job done, but thinking about your core and it like centralizing your swing, I feel like that's really helped me a lot. So I love that we're nerding out about hitting right now. I know. I <laughs> love hitting. It makes me so happy. <laughs> um, so it. good. So good. Okay. So by the way, if nobody was like taking notes there, like mm-hmm. I hope that you're at least writing some of these drills down because you can find all of them on YouTube. I think even half of them you can find on my YouTube channel, not to Correct. put in the plug, but here we go. Um, yep. <laughs> but like, they're not these like crazy wild, like sprinkle some fairy dust on a drill. Like it's not this like fancy thing. Everybody's trying to find the fancy new drill. Mm -hmm. These are all drills that you and I were doing. And I can Mm -hmm. say you and I, cause I can now say other than open stance. Cause that was something I learned later. All of these things were drills that I was learning at the age of like maybe eighth grade, ninth grade. Like, yes, yes. Like, I mean, the most simple things, like everyone knows them, like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be complicated. No, it really doesn't. And it really doesn't. It just, it's about, okay, here's a drill that works well for me. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to get in the reps. I think that's where like people, they save the drills on their phone and like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure people save my drills and never look at them again. I don't want that. Like, I I hope this encourages people to like, okay, here's one drill that Aaron talked about. Let's try Mm -hmm. it. If it works for us and we feel good with it let's plan to get in, yes. you know, a hundred reps this week on it. Yeah. Like it's, it's all about feels like what feels good. And I feel yeah. like that, that is something that like I base my swing and like how I feel off of is like, that feels good. Like I'm going to keep going mm. with that. You know, I'm Did, getting good yeah. swing where the ball is going. So I'm getting good. Mm. Uh, just that's what I go off of. It feels good. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Did your dad emphasize feel a lot? When you work together? Yes. 
yes um big on different cues with me you know you know how being a hitting coach you know different cues work different for different people mm-hmm. um some one might not work for another person so it was constantly trying to find that one thing that i could feel in my body that he was saying that was connecting in my brain <laughs> that could yeah. work yeah uh, and it's still the thing today with coach himes you know we're always trying to find that right thing that will you know get my swing back on so mm-hmm. but yeah that's and another so thing off the tee that I kind of just put together in my head was like before I get into like real swings, like like low out or high out, I always do all the drills before that. So I like try to isolate each body part. So like the happy Gilmore, like that's with my lower half, you know, working on my back hip, the big poppy. I didn't know. I didn't mention that one. Do you know what that one is? I think I've heard of it, but can you explain? It's kind of it? like it's kind of like where you meet in the middle right here, like with your oh, front yeah, knee, yeah. and then you work on separation. I uh, call that so, rubber band. Yeah, that's yeah, my rubber yeah, band drill. Perfect. Yes. Cool. Yep. So I do um, that one as well, isolating the lower half, working on separation. I do stop at contacts. I do the one arm stuff. Um, so I think it all it's just isolating different types of your body and getting your body to feel those movements before working into my full swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that's what I usually do off the tee I usually take maybe a couple swings like just to get my body loose um, before I start hitting off the tee but then I go into the drill work and then I end with the full swings at each location yeah. so if you ever didn't do that routine yeah. of activating every muscle and then you had to go play mm-hmm. how would that go mentally for you I don't think I mean, it wouldn't have a huge role, but like in the back of my mind, I'd be like, Aaron, like, I know, like, yes, as soon <laughs> as I'd be like done doing like my tea, my tea work, I'd be like, Aaron, you didn't do like, you know, so-and-so drill. And I feel like that would kind of sit there for a little bit, but I wouldn't let it affect me for too long. I think in high school, that probably would have maybe right. affected me a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't sit well with me. Like I would tell myself he probably should have done those, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was only asking because that's kind of how our brains work half the time. It's like, yes, when you establish the routine, mm-hmm. like, I think we should all have like a longer routine and then like a shorter brief routine in case like we're at a point where we just don't have the time yeah. to put yes. in the 30 minutes of the warm up. But like, it's just about having some sort of a routine, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, you, you did also mention how when you were younger, you had you had some trouble managing your energy. Like mm-hmm. when, when, you know, you didn't get the hit and I did the mm-hmm. same thing. I'd sometimes like shove my helmet and I mm-hmm. like into my bag, like it would be like mm-hmm. this forceful thing. And if my dad caught me, I was in so much trouble. Um, yeah. but I had some trouble with that too. What would you encourage the players who they maybe struggle with, you know, the getting out part <laughs> or yes, the thing you yeah. can't control part, but it gets you uh-huh. really upset. Like yeah. what are ways that you've, cause obviously when I watched you play, like, I didn't see that once, even though maybe mm-hmm. internally you were talking about yourself, you know, yeah. whatever, yeah. what is, what are ways that has helped you, you know, be able to get over that quicker? Because mm-hmm. you and I both know if you don't get over the, the bad energy, then you're going to take that with you to the rest of the game. So yes. how are you able to get better at that? So when I was younger, like my emotion was like, it's so embarrassing, but it was like crying. Like I was like, <laughs> Like, especially when I was, like, in rec league and stuff like that, like, I would cry after getting out because, like, Aaron, like, you're so much better than all these girls. Like, what are you doing? You're getting out right now. And I think it all comes back to, like, obviously, like, I've cared my whole entire life. I wanted to be perfect my whole entire life, but that is not the game of softball. And it's been a constant battle. Like, that is something I've battled all the way up until college or probably it's, like, early high school. Is like, I would get so pissed when I would get out. So pissed. And it's, it's, it's something that you have to understand and realize. And I think it took a lot more than it should have for me to understand that softball is everyone knows this and you hear it all the time, but it's, it's a game of failure. You're going to fail more than you succeed. And it's something that you have, you have to literally implant into your head while you're, while you're practicing even, and things aren't going well, you have to implant that into your head, that it's a game of failure. And when you're good, you know, four out of the 10 times or five out of the 10 times, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as a younger player, though, you're playing for fun then. 
like you you have to understand like those are like if i could go back and like take some of the things back i would because i feel like i took the game for granted a lot and Mm -hmm. i took it a lot more seriously than i should have obviously i put the work in you know to be great but i think i took it a little bit more seriously than it should have then especially playing for like the thunder and you know teams like that um the pressure take the pressure off yourself. Like you're there to have fun. The game of softball is fun and it's going to be done before you even know it. I can't believe I have two years left of playing college softball, like insane to me, but go out there and have fun. And I know that's just typical and cliche that everyone says, but it's the truth. Like <laughs> the, the game of softball, it, you don't, you know, we're women. So, but professional softball is growing. So that's awesome. Um, but you know, the reality for a lot of women is it's done after college if you get to college, which, you know, it kind of sucks to think about sometimes, but you, you don't have, you know, you don't have your whole life like a lot of men do to play baseball or football or basketball. So mm, that's so mm-hmm. good. That's yeah. what you would tell your younger self. Um, yes. You know, and, and that's the thing I want to emphasize too, is like, it's about having fun, but that doesn't mean you still don't put in the reps and like hit and yeah. put in the work, yes. right? Like yeah. that's yeah. the part that makes it more fun is when you've put in the reps and now you're like crushing it even more. Like, mm-hmm. Correct. It's, yes. it's that balance of both. Um, yeah. One thing I want to ask you, um, and maybe, I don't know if this is a Midwest thing. Like, I don't know if it's because I had huge goals to play in college too, Mm-hmm. Did you ever receive any like backlash or doubters or, you know, people that were like, that's too big. Why would you go for that? Like I had yeah. friends that told me that stuff. Yeah. Did you, did you experience any of that or was it pretty, you were pretty good at being able to say, yeah, this is I who I am. Say, yeah. I would say, uh, the town of Bremen, like where I'm from and my community and my friends and family, they were all pretty supportive, uh, for the most part. I wouldn't say I was like getting any like backlash or hate, but it was more like my friends are like, Aaron, like, why can't you come to this? Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? <laughs> you know, I think it was just stuff like that, that, you know, when I thought about it and when I wasn't playing softball and I was sitting in the hotel room and I saw my friends Snapchat stories, I was like, dang, like that kind of sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the tough part about it, but I would say for the most part, I got pretty lucky and I didn't really have anyone backlashing or hating, you know, or doubting me. Um, along the way, maybe I wish I kind of would have had that. I think that would have lit some fire under me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that for me that lit fire under my belt was seeing, it wasn't hate towards, you know, players from California, but I think it was like, they get to play like all year round. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I could have been able to do that. Um, but it was like when I had the opportunity to get reps in and like, if it was a sunny day in February, in February, I was going to go and take some ground balls. So I think that's kind of something that lit the fire under my belt was, you know, they're getting reps in all the time. So mm-hmm. you have to find something, you have to find a way to, you know, get the reps in when you can, especially because I played basketball in high school. So, but yeah, my, my friends and family were really, really supportive and I always had the town of Bremen to support me. So I've mm-hmm. been very, very grateful for that. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Um, do you think basketball had a big influence on like your agility and, how it helps you become a better softball player in the long run? A hundred percent. Yeah. I do not regret ever playing basketball. Cause I also think it just gave me a chance to get away from softball. Yeah. Um, Made you I miss know it. a lot of, correct, correct. And <laughs> it just, <laughs> it gave me a chance to, you know, play a different game because softball and basketball are complete opposite. You know, softball is a little bit slower, obviously basketball is faster, um, so it just gave me a chance to get away from the reality of softball, um, especially when I was younger and like freshman year and sophomore year. It just gave me a chance to get away, talk with new people, um, you know, interpret a new game, find a different game plan, watch film on different people. Uh, yeah, but c- the conditioning part, 100%. I don't think if I, Oof. I feel like if I didn't play basketball, ugh, it probably would not have been very good because mm-hmm. my family is like, we're like, you know, bigger people and we're, pretty strong people where I wouldn't say we're the fastest though. <laughs> so I think, I think basketball definitely played it like a huge role in that. Yeah. From, and I learned too, and I made this realization like a few years ago. I don't know if you have yet. Yeah. I also played basketball. My dad played college mm-hmm. basketball. I'm pretty sure he's a little butthurt that none of us chose basketball. <laughs> <our college> <laughs> I think um, I would be too. <laughs> I mean, it all turned out okay, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, another thing that basketball kind of taught me was how to get over things quickly. 
right? Cause like yes. you make a bad pass and like the other team has the ball. Now you strictly have to just like forget about it and go play defense. Like, correct. So in softball, like we have multiple minutes, like sometimes it's mm-hmm. 15 minutes, 20 minutes before mm-hmm. your next at bat. And yes. you have all that time to overthink and overanalyze. But in mm-hmm. basketball, it's like you take the shot, you miss it. Okay. I'm on defense or, yes. you know, even, even when you do something great, like you make the mm-hmm. three, you have to go play defense. Like mm-hmm. whether yeah. you do something great or do something bad, like you have to get over it fast. Yeah. I think that's basketball gave me the ability to really control my emotions. Like you were kind of just saying, like, you got to get over it in an instant. Uh, it kind of just goes away in your mind because <laughs> uh-huh. you got something else to worry about. But in softball, you have, like you were saying, so much time to think about it. And I think without basketball, I think the process would have taken me a little bit longer while playing softball to get over myself and get over the emotions and move on. So, yeah, I guess I've never really thought about that. But I know when I made that realization, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And I'm I'm very envious of basketball players for that reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can just get over it like that. You know, know. I'm sure it's probably still gets them after the game's over, but not, you know, during a pitch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's one more thing I want to ask about travel ball because we kind of touched on it Mm -hmm. a little bit with Coach Red and him being a great influence on you. Um, But we were lucky to have, you know, one very elite travel ball organization. And no, this Mm -hmm. is not sponsored by Indiana Magic Gold. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you, me, and my sisters, like we all played in this organization. Yeah. And it was... You know, at the time when I played, me and Aaron, us oldies, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. there was like one team per like age group. So there's like one 18s, one 16. Maybe maybe there were two. But there wasn't like all these teams now. But we were like, we were one of the best. Like you were able to win on national stages on this team. But there's only like one of us, you know. And this is another reason why like it's very hard to play at a high level from Uh here. Because, Uh you know, there's other great teams around. But like. You know, we're it, it's not yeah. It's not like a competition in California. Right. Like they have, you know, an Indiana magic every five miles. <laughs> like correct. <laughs> um so, you know, playing for this elite travel team, mm-hmm. how big was that for you to be able to get seen oh, by these big teams? I don't think if I would have played for them, it probably would never would have happened. Um, I yeah. know you have the bandits and all of that, but I feel like just being from Indiana, like I felt like I had the duty to play for Indiana Magic Gold. Like that <laughs> yeah. was our, like that was like our that was our team, you know. Yeah. Um, and without them, I don't think playing college softball would have been a reality for me. Um, because I've kind of learned as I've gotten older is if if you don't have the team name, uh, you're not going to be put on the great fields and travel ball tournaments mm-hmm. um, unless you're that one standout team that's kind of been you know known over the past couple years in an organization. But if you don't have won the team name you're not going to put on the good fields and the good fields are where the college coaches are at so i felt that you know magic obviously had a great reputation we got put on the good fields um and that was kind of my you know that's how we got seen so i feel like without them it probably would have never happened and without coach rudd it's kind of crazy because i feel like a lot of coaches um do things a lot differently like recruiting a lot differently but that man is just a great human being and I feel like he he made connections with coaches that not a lot of other travel ball coaches can make exactly um, so I feel like he really sold like all of his players and like was really authentic with the coaches and I feel like that's what made the travel the like the recruiting process a lot easier for me couldn't agree more I think that's the part that's overlooked is yeah especially if you're a player who wants to play at a high level mm-hmm. you have to have the right people advocating for you that have good relationships mm-hmm. like for me at the time it was Kim Clay like he was the founder yes yeah <laughs> like and yeah. then you have Rudd and then you I mean there's there's other people even within magic that have great mm-hmm. reputations mm-hmm. um but like sometimes it's not just about the name you know because like yes obviously Indiana Magic has made their mark but there's like um you know other organizations where they have you know, the name, but like, they're not the elite of the elite of this organization, you know? So yes, like, yes. You, you have to make sure you have those coaches in your corner yes. that are able to like really advocate for you and have a good reputation. And we had that. So yeah, yeah. for those people and that I are like, like, how do you get seen? Like, that's one uh-huh. of the biggest factors. Yes. It's having a great coach um, that will do, you know, that's really fundamental in your softball game, but also can make connections with coaches. 
if you don't have like the, the team name, you got to have a really good coach. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to get you seen and that's going to get you um, the college coaches coming consistently to your games because they could come to one game, but like, what if you're not very good that game, you know? So I yeah. feel like the magic gave me the consistency that I needed to really be seen by college coaches and to see that I am a good player. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, magic gold. I mean, love that organization would do anything for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you attending a lot of camps at a young age? Cause I know that was big for me. Um, yeah. Before I started playing for magic, uh-huh. I felt like I needed to go to kind of see what the competition was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I went to two or three, uh, UK camps. I went to an Ohio state camp, Michigan and Northwestern. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say I went to a, a few, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a huge, I don't think anyone's a big camp person, but I actually just hated camps. Yeah. A lot life of people of do. Me. It's a long yeah. day. It mm-hmm. is such a long day. Um, but it's a grind and you have to, I think to be seen and, you know, to like show college coaches that you're interested is you need to go to the camps and, you know, play your butt off and, and show like you got energy and you can, you can go for a while. So mm-hmm. I feel like they're definitely crucial in your recruiting process. Um, I don't think it's going to make or break you by how you perform, but by simply showing the coach that, you know, I'll come to your college camp. If you're like, if you're interested, interested in me, I'm going to come and I'm going to, you know, show you what I'm all about. So, yeah, but I wouldn't say I went to gobs and gobs of them. Yeah. And just to reiterate, you can't just mm-hmm. go to the camp if you're not good and get seen. <laughs> like, yes, like correct. this is Erin talking about like after she is really good and is being seen, like she's going mm-hmm. to these camps. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of people think, well, if I go to the camp, that means they're going to like notice me. Well, here's the deal. If you've been working your tail off for like two years on like yeah. on your skills, then yes, this is your time to shine. This is your time mm-hmm. to, you know, show that you're good. But mm-hmm. for some people, they're just going to camp so they can like, shake hands with the coach that's looking at them and be like, here and I have am. some fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually get to like have a face to face interaction, which is huge mm-hmm. and massive for any relationship. You know, you kind of mentioned earlier about like being able to manage your energy. Was it ever tough when you knew a college coach is like in the stands and you were performing? Like, was that um, a big feat that you had to overcome or were you pretty chill about it? Like what was your mental game? Like when that happened? Um, yeah, I would say at the beginning, um, that was like in eighth grade. So that's when I was still struggling with the whole controlling my emotions thing. Yeah. Um, so I was not very good at it at all. Like I would get super, super nervous, but I would still like on the field, I would find a way to control it. Um, in a way I would make it just a tiny bit better. Like I wouldn't get super, super mad after I got out or something like that. I would still mm-hmm. get mad, but not show the coaches that I was some awful teammate and stuff like that. That's the thing with me is like, I, I, maybe at the beginning, I wasn't a very good teammate after I would get out, but I've learned like, you can be mad at yourself, but you better be not like, you better not take it on your teammates. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I was always a, a, a pretty good teammate in that aspect. Um, but anyway, the recruiting process, like I had to find a way to, you know, seeing all of them behind the backstop, I had to find a way to still like tell yourself, Aaron, it's just a game. Like, this isn't going to make or break you. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, You just have to find a way to really put it all into perspective. I think that's what I did for myself in a way is that, you know, 15 college coaches are outside, but it's just a game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, the game hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed at all. It's still a yellow ball. You know, they're still going to hit a ground ball to me. I'm still going to hit the ball. Like, it's it's nothing. It's something that I worked myself up to where I would like perform very poorly so it's nothing like that but I think you definitely have to find a way to uh and it what kind of sucked is you know the recruiting process was so early for me and it's so early for a lot of people is you don't really know how to control your emotions at that age um so but yeah I found a way to somehow control them in a way that helped me get recruited yeah I think there's something to say about, because I think what I would try to do, and this is after I made many mistakes when college coaches were watching, mm-hmm. was like, if you go all out, mm-hmm. like there's nothing more you could do. You know, Correct. like yes. if you go all out and play your heart out, that's all you need to do, literally. Yes, yeah. Um, and I would find like before I was like, if I was timid before a game, I wouldn't I wouldn't perform well. Um, and I and my dad made sure he told me that after the game. <laughs> I would always hear that after the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So that's kind of the mentality I had to go into the games. It was like, just go all out, like die for balls, you know, bust your butt to everything. So don't be timid. Yeah. I've shared this like one other time on the podcast, but like, I remember I was already committed to Purdue and my coach was in the stands. Mm -hmm. And for some reason I was like terrified and I was playing center field and I had like this routine pop-up right to me, popped out of my glove (laughs) and it (laughs) dropped out of my glove. Yeah. I was like, in my head, I was like, well, first of all, I finished the play because like, uh-huh. <laughs> if I would have shown emotion right there, then my scholarship might've been revoked. Who knows? Correct. Um, yeah. But like, I finished the play and in my head, I'm just like, I might not be going to Purdue after this game. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, don't worry. Yeah. Nothing happened. Nothing uh-huh. changed. I actually, I reached out to my coach afterwards and I was just like, yeah, so you, I saw you saw that. Like, <laughs> you know, I just owned it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, But yeah, no, I still went to Purdue, so it all worked out. But I think, you know, keeping it simple, playing your heart out, like not being timid, like that's got to be the go-to. Anything else that you want to share that you haven't already, maybe about like your dad's relationship or what you're looking forward to this year? Um, Anything we might have missed that you definitely want to shine a light on? Something about my dad. Yeah, my dad and our relationship – it was like really, really unique, but I feel like it's like worth sharing is there was like a couple years where we honestly did not have a very good father daughter relationship because it got, cause softball got in the way of it. Mm. And then like looking back at it, like it was a tough couple of years because he was my hitting coach. Um, he was my coach coach. So like he was everywhere with me for softball. And I think for all the dads out there and it's something he 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 knows now um it's not something that he doesn't know is that he would just especially when we were hitting and stuff like that is i wasn't very good at controlling my emotions um and he would get mad as well you know mm. when i would get mad he would get mad and it would just turn into a downward spiral of you know nothing good was going to come out of that session and i feel like that happened for like probably one to two years maybe And it was not fun. Like, I did not look forward to going to the cages because I knew if I got mad, my dad was going to get mad. And Mm -hmm. I feel like as we learned and as we grew, he found a way to not say as much. Um, He really learned that, like, a cue, something after every single pitch was just going to, you know, it was just going to keep going downhill from there. And I think that's something especially hitting coaches and, you know, dads that are hitting coaches is something is saying something after every single pitch is not helpful. Um, That is just putting a hundred thoughts into your head and it's just not going to make anything better. So I feel like that's really something that I learned and it kind of just sparked my mind because I was working at UK camp a few weeks ago and a dad came up to their daughter while she was in the hitting line and like said something to her about hitting and like made her cry. And then she went into the cage and, did not do well. And it was just, I don't know. Um, that never happened with my dad like that. Um, he was way smarter than that. Um, but I feel like just, you know, to have a good relationship with your dad outside of softball, um, is very crucial because it makes playing softball better. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if he's very, very involved in your softball life. Uh, but it, it took a lot of growing and, um, understanding and realizing that, you know, it's bigger than softball and that, so that's something a little bit that I wanted to share, but cause I feel like a lot of, um, people or girls who play softball, their dads are big roles in their lives. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, when yeah. I first started giving lessons, um, I was like in college or no, I was just out of college mm-hmm. and I, I was like the same way. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to tell them everything that they need to know so they can make yes. the adjustment, but then yeah. they don't start understanding how to make adjustments themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also like from a relationship standpoint, like you got to figure things out on your own mm-hmm. and dad's not always going to be there. Like it was, it was Correct. hard for me to learn that yeah. when I left for college. Uh-huh. Um, you know, one thing I'm really glad my dad did when I left for college was like, he stopped talking to me about hitting or I don't want to say stopped, but like he would ask me like, what are you learning at school? You mm-hmm. know? And when I came home for break, it was like, what are the drills that you're doing at school? Like, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of just like took the back burner and said like, how can I help once I get home? Mm-hmm. But like, he wasn't calling me every day, like talking about hitting, like, yeah. um, obviously he was a very curious person, but like, did your dad, um, when you left for college, like, did he adopt that or, um, 
you know, I'm sure he was probably like my dad and asked a lot of questions. Like, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but he kind of just like let my uh-huh. coaches do their thing once I got to uh-huh. college. Did he do the same? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's been really good at that. Um, he will only say something if I ask. Yeah. Um, if something isn't like necessarily like clicking with like coach Himes or a cue that she's saying isn't really clicking with me, like maybe my dad will have something different. Um, and then I'll go back to Coach Himes. So I feel like me and Coach Himes have such a good relationship with that. Uh, it really helps because she understands that, you know, some cues don't work for, you know, work for me and some feelings don't work for me. So, but anyway, with my dad, it was only if I ever asked him. Um, he's not pushy, you know, like if I ask him for help, like he will give me the help. Don't you worry about that. He will give me the help, but it's always me coming to him first. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like that's been super, super helpful because I don't have two people in my ear at the same time yeah. um, with telling me hitting cues because again, that's not helpful. Um, it's just putting a bajillion things into your mind that it's not going to make you any better. So the fewer things I found was the fewer things that I have, um, the few cues that I have, I obviously I'm going to have cues for my swing after a result, but the fewer cues that I have, I feel like that's really been really beneficial for me. Um, mm-hmm. to just simplify the process of hitting. So, so cool. So yeah. cool. Well, I'm guaranteed your dad's going to listen to this. So shout out to dad. You did great with Aaron. Shout out to dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. So people that love you and maybe Kentucky, mm-hmm. they want to know how to follow you. So where can people go after this episode to keep following you and Kentucky this year? Uh, I have an Instagram. I think it's just Aaron.coffle. And then I have <laughs> We'll confirm Twitter. that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a Twitter. I think that's Aaron Coffle five. I mean, I have TikTok, but I'm not like a big creator. So, I mean, you can follow me on there, you know, give me a follow, but I'm about to do <laughs> nothing. <so. laughs> I made I've made a few posts um, about softball and college and all that, but yeah. Cool. All right. I'll make sure those are all in the show notes. Do you mind answering mm-hmm. a few rapid fire questions? Oh yeah. I'm not really <laughs> good on the spot, but yeah. I was going to say, I didn't prep you for it, but you're an athlete. You can figure it okay. out. Oh, yeah. Um, I call these five to thrive. So the first okay. question is what's like a signature dad memory that's like ingrained in your brain. Oh gosh. It could be funny. <laughs> it could be intense. It could be whatever. Okay. I actually would say this past break, um, <laughs> we were hitting together. We were doing front toss together in our cage and he usually is very good about getting behind the screen, <laughs> but oh, no. I hit a line drive right back at the middle and his hand like stood there. <gasps> like I saw it all happening before my eyes and it just smacked him right in the knuckles. It took him a while to get over it. He like actually thought his knuckles were like broken, but yeah, that that's just something that was recent. So if you guys know how hard Aaron hits, <laughs> that had to <laughs> yeah. have really stung. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he was just like, good hit. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. He he took a little bit. I think it actually really hurt him. But yeah, yeah. no, we I, we kept going after that. Oh my gosh, that's my dad would do the same thing. He'd be like, "Let's yeah. just go." Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> favorite sports movie? Do you have one? Yes, uh, I would say Rookie of the Year. Mm, very mm-hmm. good one. That one's been yeah. a, a recent favorite on the podcast lately. Yes, I love that movie. I love it. Um, what's your dream job? Being a college softball coach. Hey. Yep. Yep. I love it. It was for it was for a while. I wanted to like go into the medical field and do all that, but I just found that I don't think I'd truly be happy doing that. I think my passion and love is in the game of softball. So doing something in softball, college softball coaching is my dream job. But you'd be a great coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. my goal. So I love it. So good. Um, other than Aaron, were there any other role models that you had growing up? that you wanted to kind of be like, or just um, loved watching them play? Yeah. Uh, as I was older, it was Amanda Lorenz, um, just the type of hitter she was. Uh, I love watching her hit. Um, she was, she's so good. She still is so good. Uh, but yeah, I think her, um, Derek Jeter, obviously, cause we had baseball on all the time at the house. I mm. love watching him play at shortstop. So yeah. So good. All right. I got one final question for you. Mm-hmm. When you leave Kentucky, what what type of legacy do you hope to leave on this team? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, I want to leave the legacy of, you know, how great of a ball player I was and the records and all that. That just that comes from all the work. But I want to really leave the impact on like who I played with, um, their memories that we made, like 
obviously in softball, but also outside of softball, because that's what college is all about. Um, you know, already being through two years of school, like I only have two, like a year and a half left now. And it's just crazy to me. I just want to like be remembered as being a great teammate, a great friend. Like it didn't matter if it was softball or school or anything. Like I was going to be there for them. Um, just being a good human being. Uh, I feel like as you get to college and you start to make those friendships, um, there's they're ones that'll last a lifetime. I've made some of my best friends here. So I feel like just being a good human being and being kind and being there for each other. And it's not as big as the game makes it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've already left an incredible legacy and you still have two seasons left and I cannot I wait to see you ball out <laughs> this year. Um, I really, I just, I just can't wait. Cause like, that's the beautiful thing about you is like over time you get better every single rep. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm just excited to see you ball out this year, especially with your teammates and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I can't wait to keep following you. Thank you so much. Seriously. This is going to affect positively so many Midwest families that are like, how do we get there? Like, how do we want to get there? You shared so much on this podcast and I know people are going to definitely listen to this one again more than once. Yeah, thank you so So. much. I appreciate you having me. I'm glad I could share my story. So This is so fun. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you on again. Oh, definitely. I loved your stories. Maybe with our dads. Yeah, we'll bring our dads (laughs) on. Oh, man, that's going to be a conversation (laughs) for the record books. Uh Um, But can't thank you enough. This is a blast. Yeah, thank you. You definitely don't get more genuine than that. I love how she ended with how she wasn't always having an easy relationship with her and her dad, but because they worked through things together and they learned the game together, that's why they're able to be so dang close now. Aaron is a huge light on our game, and I hope you took away a few valuable lessons from either the emphasis on reps at a young age, the power of having a good routine, and making the tea your best friend. <laughs> ways to be calm under pressure, or even what it takes to be competitive at the next level, no matter where you're from. Always to follow Erin and her team are on the show notes. And we already decided we're doing this again, probably after her season. So make sure to tag us on social with your favorite parts of the show. And maybe you'll even get a chance to watch her play this year. If you do, make sure to tag both of us because I would love to see that you listen to this episode. Also, if you haven't already and are enjoying When the Cleats Come Off, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll be the very first to be notified when my next episode drops. And also make sure to follow me on social for the best quotes, tips, and clips from each episode. You can find all my social media platforms in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. And never forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. All right, I'll see you next week.